0: Good morning, live people, good morning, Zoomers, everyone. Here's what I really want to say before I say anything at all about the Word or anything, is that there are there's a cadre of anointed people that most of the time we never see, that make all what we do on a Sunday morning pleasant and very possible. They clean inside the building, they keep the grounds clean. We've got some very technical people that can do things that only they can do with the Zoom and running the soundboard. And we've got a very anointed worship team. And I just wanna say from the bottom of my heart, thanks to all of you who make this so very possible. Amen. That being said, I thought I had really a gangbuster uh, exhortation prepared for us this morning. Turns out that I'm just going to recapitulate the sermon that Becca and the worship team and Phyllis and Ron with his opening remarks preached. So we'll begin at some point right there. I will say, I don't know how many of you took to heart uh, Tim Crawford, Timothy Crawford's question last week. Who are you? It disturbed me. It disturbed me for a couple of days. So I penned a note. And Jen, this is why I I responded as I did to your request for a bio. I penned a note to Timothy and I said, I have pondered deeply your question, kind sir. And here is my answer. I was a hooligan, but now I'm a redeemed ragamuffin, a fool for Christ's sake. Amen. That's who I am. That's who you get, a fool for Christ's sake. And I hope that we can all take that stance as well, especially when it comes to non-believing people. They've got to be able to say how foolish we are, and at the same time, they've got to be able to say, as Ron was encouraging us, look how those foolish Christians love people. My goodness, what's wrong with them? And that gives us an opportunity to find out that we're not the sick ones, but perhaps they are, and we've got the prescription to make them well. Here's some reflections of a hearty soul that labored during the period of house arrest, during all the bombardment of all the different voices and things that he or she was hearing Through the debacle, this person said, the dumbest thing that I ever did was buy a 2020 planner. I got so bored. I called Jake from State Farm and he asked me, what are you wearing? In 2019, we were told to stay away from negative people. But my goodness, in 2020, they tell us to stay away from positive people. And here's a, here's a really astute reflection. The world has turned upside down. Older folks are sneaking out of their homes and the kids are telling them, get back, get back, get back in here. I love this one. Kathy, you'll remember this. Annalisa, you'll remember this one. I walked out in my backyard this morning for a little exercise, and I looked next door, and there was my next-door neighbor talking to her dog. And I could tell by the conversation she was having with that dog, she really believed that her dog heard her and understood her. After a while, I went back in the house, and... I told my cat all about that and we had a great laugh. (laughs) Does anybody know if we can take showers yet or are we still just washing our hands? I never thought the moment would come when I would issue a statement, I'm not touching him or her with a 10 foot pole. And here is this person's analogy on the debacle. The curve is flattening so we can start lifting restrictions now is like saying the parachute has slowed our descent somewhat so we can take it off now. And finally, the spread of COVID-19 is based on two things. The denseness of the population. And the denseness of the population. Voices, voices, voices. I keep hearing all of those voices. The Lord declares in Isaiah 66, 6: 6, Behold the voice of an uproar from the city. Listen, there's a voice. From the temple, behold the voice of the Lord who pays recompense to his enemies. And I got thinking about that. I really got thinking about that verse. A voice of uproar from the city. I'm going to break it down because I'm a simple guy. This is how I simply understood that. It's the world and all its junk and stuff that it continually bombards us with every single day, part of which is what our uh, sitting president refers to as fake news, not all of it's fake, but all of it is somewhat exaggerated depending on who you're listening to. But it's that stuff in the world, it's materialism, it's secular humanism, it's hedonism, It's atheism and it's all those other isms. It's all of those things that the world is trying to get us to focus on each and every day. It's also the voice of the government. Now, please understand me, everyone. I am not anti-government. I don't advocate, not voting. I am patriotic. But first and foremost, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have to take what I hear from my government with much salt. I can hardly take anything anymore from our politicians. I'm just going to be straight up front with you. It makes me ill. I can watch it some of things that people are saying on both sides now. Thank you, Ron, because I was thinking those same thoughts this morning about both sides. If you're here this morning and you're a conservative Christian and you hold real hateful thoughts in your heart toward anybody that's a Democrat and doesn't agree with you, if you post on Facebook, derogatory character defamations about opposing politicians that you don't agree with. Shame, shame, shame on you. Jesus declared to us, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, in that you have love for one another. You're just, we're supposed to go out and love just the way that Jesus was. So it's the voice of the uproar from the city. It's the voice of the politicians. Oh, and now we've got this latest voice. Did you ever know that there were so many medical experts in America the beautiful? Man, they're coming out of the nooks and crannies. And everybody's got the right answer. I don't know how many videos that I've watched. YouTube, and I don't know what the other one is. There's a doctor from Midland. There's this guy over here and says this. and. I to Senator Cruz about that, and the president's gonna review it, and on and on and on, and nothing has happened. And now the latest voice of authority says, ladies and gentlemen, we might not be able to show up, Marsha, for the for the video thing, because the latest expert has said, oh, be cautious about Thanksgiving. You better be know who you're you better know who you're getting together with. That's a voice. The Apostle John, writing in 1 John 2.15, says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. For if you love the world, the Father's not in you. you. You make a choice. Paul writes to the Roman church, I beseech you, therefore, my brethren, present your bodies to God, a living sacrifice, That's worship. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't let Cosmos Diabolicus put you in its jello mold. Be uniquely yourself. I'm reading a wonderful book through for the second time. It's called The Signature of Jesus by an author named Brennan Manning, who's since gone on to be with the Lord. And he quotes a person in this book, I can't remember the name, but this person coined a phrase, the uniqueness of the poverty of your soul, the uniqueness of poverty, of your identity. Because as Ron alluded, people now are afraid to say anything, uh, depending on who you're talking to. You could be homophobic and this phobic and that phobic and uh, all, all the phobics uh, uh, added together with all the isms, and man, they're going to run you out of town on the rail. But be yourself. Listen, snowflakes. God created and every one of us differently. Phyllis, only you can do what you do. I can't do it. Lana Gale can't do it. Only you can do it. You're unique. Let God You up to develop your uniqueness, particularly in this time when all the voices are bombarding us and telling us. Basically, here's the message: Hear, O thou simpletons, and listen to me, for I alone can tell you what to do. I alone can tell you how to get through this current debacle. You're right, Ron. This is not the end of debacles. There's more of them coming. What's going to happen when this current thing, when the powers that be finally said, it's okay to go outside and play, children? What's going to come next? We don't know. Watch and pray, Jesus said. Watch and pray. And lastly, there's the voice of the Lord. And that's what I want to focus on today, the voice of the Lord. This is just, church, this is simple stuff. I'm a simple guy. I went to Christ for the Nations for two years. I got a piece of paper tacked on my wall that says, I have an associate's degree in practical theology. Woohoo! All that means is I've, I've read the Bible a few times. I've listened to a couple of preachers. I worship the Lord with my heart and my soul and all of my strength, and I believe the Bible. That's all of that, that means. Listen to the word of the Lord. Well, first, listen to a couple of his servants. I love this. I follow a site on, uh, on Facebook. It's called uh, Father Karapi Catholic Channel, and he has some really good posts from time to time. It's a lot of picture posts. It was a post of a picture of Mother Teresa, and then this statement followed it, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to make. Assumption that Mother said this. Sometimes we think that we don't hear God's voice. You ever thought that? Where are you, Lord? Gosh, Lord. Sometimes we think that we don't hear God's voice. Not because He isn't speaking, but because we've got the volume of the world turned up way too loud. Let that wash over you this morning. And I love this one. The fiery Methodist preacher, John Wesley, back in the day when they called them shouting Methodists, he said this, Oh, give me that book. Give me that book. At any price, give me the book of God. Here is knowledge enough for me. Let me be a man of only one book. Lord, let us be men and women of only one book. The cacophony. I learned that word from an Oklahoma farm boy. Uh, he pastors a church, too, somewhere around here. Close. But he uses the word cacophony quite a bit. I'm going to ask you a question in the cacophony of all the voices. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? Thank you, Joyce. Joyce has got the right answer. She She trusts in God. We need to be careful and adhere to the admonishment of Paul as he wrote to Timothy, his son in the faith. I urge then, first of all, chapter 2, the first four verses, and I'm just going to paraphrase sort of, that supplications and prayers and intercessions be made for, here's the key word, all men. All men. For politicians, for nobles, for kings, for princes, for all men. Then he tells Timothy why. Because this is good and acceptable in the the eyes of God, our Savior, who desires, here's the key word again, all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the Lord. These voices that we may hear from the temple, I call those voices the voices organized religion. You ever stop and wonder why the Dickens we have so many denominations? Could it be, it just be God's children don't get along and bicker over simple stuff? Maybe so, maybe they do. But there's the voices of organized religion. And have you noticed as I brought out all the voices of the medical experts that have surfaced, have you noticed in this 21st century debacle, there have been more prophets than you can count with your fingers and your toes. There's more prophets that have risen on the scene that have all got the word of the Lord. And they're all telling you what you should or should not do in the midst of this crisis. Be careful. Be very careful about who you listen to, particularly now, in this very moment. Father, we pray right now for America the beautiful. We pray for every elected official that's sitting in a seat somewhere in Washington, D.C., or throughout our lower 48 and Hawaii and Alaska, our 50 states. We pray for each and every one, federal, state, local, that you will infuse them with knowledge beyond themselves, that you will infuse them with the understanding and with wisdom and with discernment beyond themselves, that they may know what they need to do in this dire hour. I pray for a baptism to fall upon them in common sense and courtesy and reasonableness, that they would hear the Lord say something to them like this, come on, you guys, get together, reason together, and get these things solved. For, Father, in the midst of the fray, in the midst of the struggle for power, we the people are left in the lurch. So come to us, Lord, and bless our leaders and bless the leaders in the body of Christ. Raise up true prophetic voices. In Jesus' name, amen. And then there's the There's the voices that you will hear from trusted friends and acquaintances. And based upon what voices they've been listening to and what voices they're putting their trust in, is what you are going to hear from them. Again, check everything out. What is that? I think it's along about Acts 17. There's a statement made about the Berean people that they were no, more noble than somebody in another other place because they just said, oh, yeah, that's right. They They took the scriptures and they checked it out. They checked things out for themselves. Check it out for yourselves. Make sure that what you're hearing lines up with the word of God. Make sure what you're hearing lines up here in your knower. You know, medical science can never find our knower, but it's some way, 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 way down inside of us where our knower meets our knower. Check it out there. In First Timothy, and I'm going to read this one: First Timothy chapter 6. Um, this, I'm going to stop and just, just, I'm not going to chase a rabbit trail, but I'm just going to make a statement. My good friend Royce Chapman. Has made these comments about the charismaniac movement. First, they got rid of the organ. Then, they got rid of the pews. Then, they got rid of the hymn books. And how many of us are still bringing our Bibles to church? Or are we depending? On the overhead screen to show us the word of god check it out for yourself check it out for yourself it's a love letter to you b-i-b-l-e basic instructions before leaving earth check it out yourself that's what paul told timothy chapter 6 verses 20 and 21 Timothy, guard guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding irreverent and empty speech and avoiding those contradictions from which stem what is falsely called knowledge. Because by professing some of the so-called knowledge, Some people have departed from the faith. If we line up with shouting John Wesley and say, give me that book, I can tell you, you're headed toward the finish line. Just stay in the book. And I've often gone back and to this Scripture. I'm gonna read it. This is one I'll read in Psalm, Psalms. It's 146. <clears throat> Which sums after 145, I think. There it is. Psalm 146, verses 3 and 4. Do not trust in nobles in a son of man, get this, who cannot save. Don't trust in nobles. Don't trust in a son of man or in a human being, maybe a very renowned human being, maybe somebody of great influence, the world says, but there's no salvation in him. When his breath leaves him, he returns to the ground and on that very day his plans perish whom do you trust church what words do you put your stock in psalm 119 verses 18 and verses 130 are a mainstay for me and I've said this to some of you, you'll know this. I'm, I'm repeating myself to some of you. But each morning before I ever open the word of God, I might take a sip or two of coffee, but before I ever open the word of God, I will say, and this is these, these two verses, Open my eyes, Lord, that I may behold wondrous things, from your law, for the entrance of your word, one translation says, or another one says, for the unfolding of your word, or for the disclosure of your word, or for the revelation of your word, brings light and imparts understanding to the simple. I are simple. I need all the help that I can get. So I pray that in the morning. And lately, the Holy Spirit has prompted me to also pray this. Open my eyes, Lord, so that I may hear you speak to me from your word and listen to you. Oh, church, this is the hour. We may even be beyond that hour when we so desperately need to hear from the Lord. Amen. We can't handle all this stuff on our own. That's why Paul said to the to uh, in, in Ephesians, when you've done everything you know to do, stand fast, and then put your armor on, get ready for battle, because it's coming. We've heard recently from our pastor, right from behind this sacred desk right here. People, don't think don't think you're getting a reprieve when the election is over. Buckle your seatbelts; the havoc is just about to begin. That's not negative. We might be in birth pangs here. We might be on the threshold of the last days. We don't know. Nobody knows. Watch and pray. Stay in this book of knowledge. Psalm 27, verse 8, David prayed this. My heart heard you say, seek my face. Your face, O Lord, I will seek. That's a a great prayer. Your face, O Lord, I will seek. Sidebar, if you like YouTube videos, look up a YouTube video, Show Me Your Face, Lord. Singer is, I think it's Dom Potter, I think. Uh, you, you should see just a little clip. It's just a still photo of a guy and his guitar. It's, it'll bless you. It'll bless you. So now I'm just going to read through some scriptures here this morning. They're going to stand for themselves. And here's, this is just exhortation. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes there's nothing new under the sun you know I've been going to church for a long time not as long as Fred has been not as long as Phil has been but I and I'll never catch up with them they're a little bit more mature than I am but after you've been in church for a while and some of you may run across this phenomenon your pastor might preach what you will turn to your wife on the way home from church and say, that was a microwave sermon. He pulled one out of the file and warmed it up. Not that it's bad, but, you know, how, how many different takes on truth is there? Here's the number one take. Do the truth. He hath shown thee, O man, what is good, Hosea says, And what does the Lord require of thee? To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Father, may the reading and the hearing of these scriptures today encourage and strengthen our hearts and souls this morning. Hear the voice of the Lord, church. Hear the voice of the Lord. Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 34. Calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone wants to follow me, follow after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross. And follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels shall save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his or her life? What could any one of us give in exchange for our souls? Isaiah 43, and the first three verses. This is encouraging to me when I read this. I like it better in the older translations, and I'll show you why. Isaiah 43, the first three verses. Now, this is what the Lord says. The one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, O Israel. And I'm going to stop and point. Pause right there and say to us in the church, if we are in Jesus Christ, then we are Israel, period. We're grafted in. So I can make this application to us because we're children of the Most High God. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I like it better. I just like the phrase, fear not. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. I will be with you when you pass through the waters. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire and the flame will not burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And if he's going to be with us in floods and fires, he's going to be with us in this current debacle and all the debacles that follow afterward. Amen? He's either God or he's not God. Elsewhere in Isaiah, he says, no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. These sound like weapons to me. Another place in Isaiah, he said, when the enemy comes in like a flood, my goodness, sakes gracious alive. Church, what's happened to us the last six months? An enemy has come in. Look what's happened to our church. Not only ours, but other, and not just the church, but society in general. People have taken sides. People are listening to the voices of the world. People are listening to... Government, people are listening to their politicians, the ones who are buying for power, the ones who want us so desperately to cast our votes for them. People are listening to them and people are listening to the medical experts. I'm not anti-science, my goodness sakes alive. This book that John Wesley cried out for confirms science. God is greater. For when the enemy comes in like a flood the Lord raises up a standard against him. And every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, that very well could be if you're hauled into court for being a Christian, every tongue that rises against you in judgment, Ron, you're going to condemn it. You're going to say, I'm a child of the Most High God. That does not apply to me. Oh, you fool. Yes, I am. Thank you very much for recognizing that. In John 14, chapter 1, Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. What does that mean? It means the same thing as it says it was it, Psalm 37, fret not. Fret not because of evildoers, fret not because of who prosper in their evil ways. Fret not, fret not, fret not. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God to the Jewish people there. You believe in God. Get even in me also. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, I've spoken these things to you. It was his previous dialogue. And if you got the book, if you got the book, you're reading the book. Go back and read previously to verse 33. But Jesus said, these things that I have spoken, these things to you so that in me, he said, you'll have peace. Here's a promise that you will not pull out tomorrow morning over your oatmeal and read. You want to pull this out of your promise box in the world. You will have tribulation. That's a promise, church. That's a promise. But here is what he says afterward Be courageous, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. Can I? So I, I need to just say this to some of you here this morning. If you're saved, if you're full of the Holy Ghost and fire, and you believe that you're in heaven bound. Please notify your faces. But, but please let your faces know that. It means a lot to me. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Ron. Phyllis, I can see your smiling eyes. There's a wonderful discourse in Matthew chapter 6. And he goes through the whole thing about look at the birds, see the lilies of the field, and on and on and on. And then he said, don't. Don't worry about these things. I'm going to read this one for us, beginning in Matthew 6 and 31. So don't worry saying, my goodness, Lanigale, what are we going to eat today? What are we going to have for dinner? What will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles, and I'm going to paraphrase here, this is what unbelievers think. This is where they go. They get their spandex in a knot over stuff like this. My God, what are we going to do? But we don't have to ask that question because our God tells us what to do. The Gentiles, the unbelievers, eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But here it comes. Here it comes. Here's my Charles Stanley line. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Who do you trust, church? Who are you listening to? What are you going to do with what you're hearing right here? Because I fully expect you, whether you want to speak to me afterward or not, I fully expect you to really analyze what I'm saying this morning. After all, it is a fool talking to you this morning, a a fool for Christ. Luke reiterates what Matthew just said, and he says it in this way. He caps off his discourse with this. Fear not, little flock. It's your father's goodwill to give you the kingdom. We used to sing this. I'm a child of the king, a child of the king. With Jesus, my savior, I'm a child of the king. That's who we are. You know what else? He's a good, good father. That's who he is. That's who he is. Fear not. And we know this, but I'm going to read it in Matthew 11. Somebody here this morning, I think, besides myself, just needs to pause and listen to this and let it wash over you. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will promise, give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I'm lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. When I'm plowing the fields of life, I desire to be yoked to Jesus because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And the following are seven very critical statements that Jesus said, and they're all in the chapter of John. Jesus said in John 6:35, I'm the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger again. He who comes to me will never thirst again. He told the woman at the well in chapter, chapter uh, 4 and verse 10, If you knew who it was that was talking to you, you would have asked him, and he would have given to you living water. He's the bread of life, and he's our living water. We can get by, folks, physically on bread and water. In John 8 and verse 12, I am the light of the world. Anybody that comes to me would never again walk in darkness Jesus could say he was the light of the world because he was always connected Steve he was always connected rightly to the source of of light his father when you read the Gospels over and over and over again, you will see that Jesus wasn't kidding when he said, I must be about my father's business. He wasn't kidding. He always was. He's the light of the world. In John chapter 10, in verses 7 and 9, he says, I'm the doorway to the sheep. What's that? That's a garage door to our lives. And nobody comes into our garage door unless Jesus opens it. I am the door and my sheep can go out and come in through me, and they're gonna find good pasture. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Also in John 10, verses 11 and 14, he simply says, I am the good shepherd. No explanation needed. We learned Psalm 23 in basic Sunday school, did we not? The Lord is my shepherd. And that means just exactly that. Because if you've ever read the book, a shepherd's look at Psalm 23, it's an old book, but if you haven't read it, get it. It's excellent because this man's a shepherd. And he talks about all of the things. He's been a shepherd in Africa and England and I think in Colorado or somewhere there and he knows sheep he knows their traits and he can he can really nail it with, with psalm 23 and john 11:25 great discourse between jesus and martha lord if you lord if you just showed up on time my brother would be alive martha i am the resurrection and the life He who dies, he's not, he's not dead, dead. He'll rise again. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And he eyeballed Martha and said, do you believe that? And I'm looking at you, my friends, my brothers and my sisters. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, Zoomers? Resurrection simply means this. A standing up again. Lazarus was laid in the grave. Jesus stood him up again. Our faith may faint on us, but if we're trusting him, Jesus will resurrect it. Our our thoughts and plans and hopes and dreams that the Lord put in our heart 10, 15 years ago, or maybe last week, and you just feel like it's never gonna happen, trust in the Lord for him to resurrect it in his time. Our prayers are not answered, therefore we think they are dead, but if we're praying in accordance with God's will, the Apostle John says we know if we're praying in accordance with his will that we have what we've asked of him because he hears us. It'll be resurrected once again. In John fourteen six, Jesus simply said this, and boy, this is rock solid. On Christ a solid rock I stand. I am the way and the truth and the life. My paraphrase, but it's the truth the way the language flows. I'm the way, children, and there's no other way. I'm the truth, kiddos, and there's no other truth besides me. And I am the life, the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. Not Oprah, not Dr. Phil, not any of those talking heads it's through Jesus Christ our lord and lastly the last i am statement is 15 i am the true vine and he tells us there if you abide in me and birds abide in you you bear much fruit he also tells us in john 15 that if we're if we're good branches and we're bearing fruit. He's going to prune us. Ouch! But hallelujah. Because those of you who garden a little bit and have fruit trees or rose bushes or things like that, different, different plants, when you prune them at the proper time and prune them the right way, they flourish beautifully. We are to stay connected with Jesus. Now I'm going to make a little little uh, analysis here uh, about Jesus being the light and about him being connected to the Father, and he's the vine, and we've got to stay connected to him. A couple of years ago, I had this problem, and a couple of weeks ago, I had the same problem. Two a couple of years back, Timothy Crawford bailed me out, and a couple of weeks ago, Steve Helmick bailed me out. We got an antiquated four-foot fluorescent light fixture on our system, and if you're familiar with them at all, the the tubes are in sequence uh, of twos, and so if one goes out, that other one goes out. So my sister and brother-in-law were here. We were getting ready to go to Port Aransas, and bingo, the light is flickering a day or two, and then boom, we're down to two tubes. So I said, no problem. When they left, we got back from our vacation trip. They left, I went up to Ace Hardware, bought the tubes, put them in, Nothing happened. Same as before, nothing happened. So I thought, well, it's probably the ballast. I know this happened before, but then I thought, well, when it happened before, Timothy came over and just jingled around and fiddled with it a little bit, and voila, they lit up. So I called Steve. <laughs> Steve to the rescue. He came in his Jeep, he didn't ride up on a white horse, but he came in his Jeep, and and he came in, and we looked at it, and he did the same doggone thing, but he told me this, and here's the point. He said, you almost had it, you almost had it. One was in right, but one one of the tubes on one end, one prong did not make it in, so therefore there was no connection. Stay connected. With Jesus is the word. Let his words wash over you continually. And I am at a close here. But I want to read you something that I ran across in a Brennan Manning book. And it's the testimony that was found in the desk of a young pastor from Zimbabwe, who they had found martyred. I don't know what the time frame was, but you know, there's been trouble in South Africa and whenever this was. But this are the words of this young pastor. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My presence makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right or first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, I'm lifted by prayer and I labor with power. My face is set, my gait is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few, my guide reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought Compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up let up, until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Christ. I must go till he comes, give until I drop, preach till all know, and work until he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. Watch and pray. God bless you all.